Hey, Kansas City, it's Travis Kelsey. Don't miss my brother Patrick Mahomes and CDOT every Monday at 2.15 right here on 610 Sports Radio. See you guys on Sunday. KCSP Kansas City, WDAFHD2 Liberty, always live on the free Odyssey app. Welcome in to Arrowhead Pride Radio. And Mahomes is on fire! Here's the editor-in-chief of Arrowhead Pride, Pete Sweeney and Dusty Likens. All right. Get a little bit of an early start tonight here on the... Yes! Yes! There we go. The little Daniel Bryan or whatever his name is now. <laughs> did you ever really do that? Like, did you ever do the yes, yes, yes? Arrowhead Pride Radio, 610 Sports Radio, Dusty Likens, Pete Sweeney, Chief Editor, and Head Honcho at uh, Arrowhead Pride. Week 17. Yeah. Last week of 2022. Second to last week of the NFL regular season. Do you think the NFL season goes fast, or do you think it's like, man, we're almost like in second week of January? Or is it, I think, I feel like we were just back in St. Joe. This is what happens for me personally, but I, I'm very heavily involved in this, as you know. But I, I think August comes, and the days for me get a lot longer, but the time goes really fast as far as the calendar. I think we, we sort of blink, and it's Thanksgiving. You blink again, it's Christmas, and then you blink again, and it's Championship Sunday. And hopefully, the Chiefs are playing in their their fifth straight yeah. AFC title game at home. Mm-hmm. Oh, you wanted to be a home game. Well, you don't want to see what Patty can do on the road. So I'm going to really vicious. I'm going to go regardless, and mm-hmm. I'd rather be having my Buffalo wings at the Peanut than in Buffalo. Shout out Peanut. Could be a sponsor of the show. Could step up. <laughs> <laughs> sure. If they wanted to. Sure. Um, so before we get into the injury report, let's start off the show tonight with how Saturday looked, Christmas Eve. Hopefully you had a good holiday this uh, this past weekend. Happy holidays. Okay. Happy holidays to you and your families. Thank you. Um, was that the most complete team win slash game against Seattle on Saturday? I don't think it was the most complete team win, but it was the most complete effort in a, in a while. Uh, I thought the offense had a, a tough middle of the game. They were able to admit that after the game, but it was nice to see them push through that muck and sludge and get a final touchdown. I thought that was a a great play by Mahomes to scramble out to his right. And really, you know, I think we make a big deal out of the throws and the sidearms and the underarm, but that play to reach the ball out and hit the pylon, keeping himself upright with just his wrist, another impressive play and what has become... What is, it seems to be a foregone conclusion at this point that he's going to be the MVP. I thought you really needed to see a defensive effort like that. If, if you could only pick one of the two, a fully mm-hmm. complete defensive effort or a fully complete offensive effort, I, I think you always pick defense with this team because, in a way, the Chiefs always have to prove it to themselves on defense, whereas you kind of know the offense is going to be there, especially with the reinforcements coming now. The defense seemed like it showed a new face I guess the linebacking core it seems moving forward or at least from what I could tell is that it's Leo Willie and Nick like that seems like those are the three they want and for like the first time in a while this defense seems to have elusiveness speed and like tenacity at linebacker like Willie Gay is 
one of the better athletes on the defensive side that kind of slam dunked in my mind when I saw the play against uh, Denver where he tipped, mm-hmm. stuck Russell Wilson, and then scored a touchdown. That seems to me like if that's in a man's body, like, I mean, that's any time he wants to do it. Nick Bolton, yeah. 17 tackles, is clearly the leader on the defensive side. Legereus Sneed continues to be a lockdown corner for this team. And then Leo Chenault kind of seems like that crazy young guy that – when Josh Allen does those RPOs in the playoffs and tries to go outside and gain something, he's going to be there as quickly as possible and not be afraid for contact. And the the Seahawks, too, I think they don't get as much credit as maybe they deserve in the sense of offensively, they were pretty good this year. I know that they didn't have Tyler Lockett in that game, which you have to admit was a, a huge problem for them because they really, the Chiefs could really zone in on on stopping DK Metcalf, but the offense as a whole has been pretty good. I just thought it was really impressive for the Chiefs to hold them to three points for most of the game. There was that garbage time touchdown to get them to 10 points, but at every level, it was solid defensive play. You had Chris Jones with the game of the year for him personally at a season-high eight pressures in the game. As you mentioned, the second level was really good. The secondary was solid. Awesome to see how... Legereus Sneed was able to shut down DK Metcalf. Then you had Juan Thornhill, which for me is one of your ball hawk candidates. I really want to see one of these guys step up heading into the postseason. I I think you got that from Thornhill. You wonder if if this is a sign of things to come. I think you need that aspect in the postseason where maybe you can have a big-time interception against a quarterback like a a Tua or a Joe Burrow or a Josh Allen because I, I think that can change the game. Those small things can change the game for you in the playoffs. And so good for him to do that. And now I think you just hope that they follow it up with complete performances these final two weeks. One last one is Karloftis finally arrived. Like is it he is what, four sacks last five games or is it something like a stat like that? I don't know what else you'd want from your rookie defensive end. Okay. Um, unless you're picking them in the top ten, you – have to kind of develop them a little bit. And I think he's coming into his own at the right time. They say at the end of the regular season, these rookies aren't rookies anymore. They're veterans because they have a whole season under their belt and they're going to need Carl Loftus to continue to play like a veteran in the postseason. Well, I don't think my computer's on or I hit the wrong thing. <laughs> this always is a fumble. Is the computer on Chris? Am I good to go with the the sound? It's a new week in the NFL, which means it's time to take a look at the new injury report for the Chiefs. Just trying to make sure you're awake, man. You know, you got the parlay kicking in. What? By the way, I need help. What is the SEC channel in this town? Shoddy Mission. I don't know where I'm at. I know where I'm at, but I just, what is the damn SEC channel? I need this Missouri-Kentucky game on a TV. Anyways, Pete Sweeney, live at practice today, press conference, injury report. What's going on this week with the Chiefs? Only really one thing to talk about, maybe two. Huh? If you consider Colin Saunders back at practice to be relevant for you, I think he's had a nice year, breakout year. So good to see him back in the mix. He missed all of practice last week with an illness, spent a lot of that time at home on Twitter. Hasn't been on Twitter as much this week. You had to get that in there, didn't you? He's back at practice, which is good. And then McCole Hardman still doesn't appear on the injury report because he is on injured reserve right now still trying to work his way back from that abdomen issue Andy Reid revealed on Wednesday that Hardman they thought he might be able to play last week but was a little bit more tired than they would have liked at the end so they they wait one more week and optimistic that he will be available this coming 
Sunday against the Denver Broncos. So Hardman sh- should be back in the mix here. And for the first time in a long time, you'll have Hardman and Tony at the same time, which is exactly what the Chiefs are looking for. Anything out about their injury report this week? I know the the head coach is officially off the roster. Mm-hmm. Um, he did not practice okay. or was not at practice. Nor cited at practice. No. Was not, yeah, no one really saw him today. Do you think Russell Wilson's office is bigger than his? Mm. Well, yes, it is. It is right now. Yeah, well, it's more vacant. It doesn't mean it's size wise. Congratulations to Russ Wilson. Also, now has as many touchdowns as bathrooms in his house, mm. has reached that 12 touchdown threshold. Does he really have 12 bathrooms in his house? This was a TikTok phenomenon, as they call it, Dusty. There was a TikToker slash Twitter guy who would be tracking whether or not Russ would get to as many touchdowns as he has bathrooms in his house. The number was 12. He's finally there. Ah, so the over's going to hit. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, um, anyways, so out of the injury report, McCole Harbin may be coming back. Uh, I'll believe it when I see it. I know it's been a long it's been a long road ahead of McCole Harbin, but does that, does that really solidify them in the red zone more than any other team in the NFL? Because with you adding McCole Hardman, Kadarius Toney, Sky Moore, Travis Kelsey, I mean... You can throw Noah Gray in there, too, if you want. How how yeah. much more dangerous are they inside 20 yards than any other team in the NFL? Well, this team hasn't have, had Tony and, and Hardman for a bit here, and I think it just adds another dynamic to what Andy Reid can do. During that time, you've seen the emergence and reemergence of Juju Smith-Schuster. Yeah. You've seen Jarek McKinnon come into his own. Watson, a little bit tough last week, but I, he's available to you as well if, if one of these guys were to go down in the playoffs. He's largely been good. I mean, he had a couple drops last week, so you'd like to see that be a little bit better. Still kind of waiting on, on Marquez Valdez-Scantling to become a consistent threat for you, but he's had a couple good games and good catches here and there, and so I, I think you're getting your full lot of receivers, and they're getting healthy at the right time. If there's anything that you really notice on the other side, we know about the head coaching change, so we'll see how that shifts things, but in the first game, Cortland Sutton wasn't available to the Broncos. He had a limited practice on Wednesday. So there is a thought that they should have both Judy and Sutton this time around. Do you do you think this can be, and I know we got to get to Ron here soon into a break, but it seemed like the last time these two teams played, 27-0, let them back in the game, Mahomes takes a dip in the MVP. Is it the same script against Seattle that you see in this game? Or is this one of those, hey, don't forget it's a division game. It might be close. Or is this Denver's completely checked out. Nobody wants to be here. They want to just get to (laughs) vacation and move on. I think the only way that you would see an MVP change is if the Chiefs were stunned in an upset of all upsets by -hmm. the Denver Broncos. And then Joe Burrow goes and beats the Bills on Monday night. Then I, I think maybe you start to see Burrow get some of that love. But... If Mahomes does what he does, which is typically two to three touchdowns, typically 250 to 310, mm-hmm. and he does that twice in a row with two wins, I just don't see how he doesn't win MVP because that'll get him over the 40-touchdown mark, probably going to be at 5,000 yards. And I, I think because of how much people really liked Jalen Hurts and there is a a tendency, a, a temptation to consider the games that he did play because he you know got absent due to, to injury – I just don't think 40-plus touchdowns and 5,000 yards are deniable at that point. It'd be really a stretch for the MVP voters to go another way. So I tend to think, knock on wood, should he stay healthy? Should the Chiefs win their game? Should nothing weird happen here? Pat's going to have a second MVP. It's whether or not he has that Super Bowl MVP to go along with it, Dusty. That's the one that matters. Right? That's the one you need, Another man. ring. Two rings, two Super Bowl MVPs, two MVPs. Hey, every time Mahomes won the MVPs, won... no, he hasn't. Never mind. Anyways, 
He was a foot off sides for that happening. That's why you got to change the, the juju around there. Uh, coming up next. By bringing in juju. That's right. Ron yeah. Cobb Jr. of Arrowhead Pride, the lead analyst of Arrowhead Pride. He'll join us next year on Arrowhead Pride Radio on 610sports.com. You're listening to Arrowhead Pride Radio with Pete Sweeney and Dusty Likens on your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. in on Arrowhead Pride Radio. We get the uh, Arrowhead Pride Tag Team Edition. Pete Sweeney, Ron Cobb Jr. It all, uh, it all comes full circle. You get your lead analyst, you get your head chief editor, and then you get some schmo to keep the conversation alive and myself. That's you. Yeah. You're that schmo. Yep. Joe Schmo. Mm. Ron Cobb Jr., how are you this evening? Man, I'm good. I'm just rooting for some points in this KU Arkansas game. Got the over. Okay. Uh, seven, 70 was a, a, a tall hill to climb. So, uh, but they're off to a good start. So I'm, I'm feeling good. How about you guys? I mean, I'm great. I'm glad that the parlays and bets have started to now affect one Ron Cop Jr. Like we have parlay Wednesday, every Wednesday, Pete and I are fully locked in. And now we're starting to lead this segment off with bets and gambling. I mean, I, you know, it, I'm all about the overs tonight. So if anyone needs some gambling advice out there, we got some shootouts upcoming tonight. Oregon, North Carolina is going to be another one. So uh, I can throw them out, Dusty. If you, if you need me to throw out the gambling advice, I got you. I'm here. I believe the Chiefs are 13 and a half point dogs this Sunday. How are we feeling about that? Dogs? Or I'm sorry, favorites. <laughs> dogs? I mean, I was going to say, to give me those points, man, 13 and a half underdogs. Uh, that, yeah, man, that, no, I, that is certainly the yeah, bet. Pete's it's going, the Chiefs plus Pete's 13 an alternate half. spread kind of yeah, guy. That's correct. No, uh, Chiefs yeah. minus 13 and a half, of course. Right. And, and it's just a, a, a kind of a, a representation of, of what the Chiefs got coming up these last two games of the regular season, right? Just kind of all of a sudden, two games that feel like they're going to. You know, Denver, I think, maybe has a better chance of maybe, you know, seeing some, you know, uh, a competitive game, I guess, you know, for the Chiefs. But, man, you know, all of a sudden we got teams that feel like, you know, they're, they're kind of on the, the quitting end of the spectrum. You know, the Broncos just fired, obviously, their head coach. You know, and, and I was talking, you know, another big part of that, too, that, that is kind of getting underrated about that is they fired their special teams coach and their oh. offensive line coach, too, or let them go, at least. I mean, that's, those are two pretty big parts of the operation game day operation to me it sounds like you know special teams obviously a lot of the finer details and offensive line I mean talk about pass protection talk about you know all the stuff that goes into that so you know I don't know I, I have a feeling it's going to be a, a kind of a weird game and you know Denver maybe come out with some competitive spirit but man it's going to be hard to overcome all that turnover that they're all of a sudden facing Ron you watch all the film uh multiple times you watch Chiefs film like I've watched Game of Thrones um <laughs> my main question for you is the offense seemed to have everything in tune on that first drive. It seemed like everything was in sync. The under routes were getting hit. Tony was back, and it looked like he was able to, like, maneuver his skill set. What stuck out the most for you with that offense against Seattle putting up 24? Yeah, no, the Chiefs offense, you know, it wasn't their, their you know, most exciting performance, right? You know, I yeah. think the cold weather certainly impacted the passing game. I think the drops you saw. You know, I, I, I pointed them out and highlighted them in, in my article this week, kind of looking at some of the positives and the negatives from the receivers. And, you know, I, I do think there is something to it being very, very cold and that, and that you know, maybe, hey, you know, and on a better day, maybe you don't see those drops. But in terms of the positives from that, you know, I, I, I do think what we saw from that Kadarius-Tony touchdown 
it's a good thing and a good reminder of what we're getting from the offense down the stretch that we haven't had for a good majority of the season now is McCole Hardman and Tony's impact on those jet sweep plays, specifically in the red zone. You know, Tony, that, that touchdown, the thing that really stands out, you know, Hardman has the straight-ahead speed, but Tony has that, that vision and that, that cutting ability. And the thing is, you know, on that play, he actually sets up Trey for a pancake on a play that, if you really look at it, man, it's, 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 it's pretty impressive to see that peripheral vision, you know, the fact that he even saw him coming, the fact that he saw Trey out of the side of his vision. So I think him and Hardman both have their different ways of being really excellent weapons on those kind of those jet sweep plays, just end around plays in general, um, specifically in the red zone. So I'm excited for that late in the season. That was kind of something that stood out, but just in general, man, I, I think the chiefs offense is kind of in a, a coasting mode. You know, I think, you know, the, the offensive line is really gelling in the run game and, and that just kind of continued, even if it wasn't in the box score. Uh, the run game definitely did it, it enough uh, on Saturday to get the job done. Pete Sweeney with Dusty Likens and Chris Unocero here on Arrowhead Pride Radio talking to our lead analyst of Arrowhead Pride. I want to flip it to the defensive side of the football. This was one of the better defensive efforts we've seen from the Chiefs in a while. Might be the best defensive effort we've seen from the Chiefs all season. Do you feel like you're in a place where you could say, okay, this defense is good enough to roll through the AFC playoffs and win a Super Bowl. Are you there? Why or why not? You know, last week when I was on with you guys, this was this was the the thing I was saying was missing, right? Was the statement performance? Was mm-hmm. was this game that we've seen in every year of the Spags era? They've always had these late season games. They they have usually been at home, and that is an important factor here. But you know, these low scoring games where the defense really does stifle them, even if the offense isn't necessarily doing everything. This is what that was, and, you know, this wasn't any slouch of an offense either. I know they're missing Tyler Lockett, which is a big deal. You know, don't get me wrong. It definitely impacted Seattle's offense. But to, to be able to hold, you know, hold them down that, that much, I, you know, I was so impressed with, you know, it seemed like the linebackers and safeties were just so much, you know, covering so much more ground this time. You know, the middle of the field was a lot more covered. The linebackers seemed to be so much more quick reaction. It's why you saw Willie Gay and Bolton be able to fill up the box score. You know, Gay gets his hands on two passes, has another tackle for loss. You obviously saw Bolton with the 17 tackles. I mean, it just seemed like there was a, you know, just a more attacking mindset. And I know maybe, hey, maybe they did sell out more, you know, kind of daring Geno Smith to make plays on him that, you know, maybe a Joe Burrow, Josh Allen can make those plays. But it was still, you know, a confidence booster. And I really like the Legereus Sneed matchup too, getting him on Metcalf. You know, I really think in the playoffs, if they want to, you know, kind of single him on, on a receiver that's, you know, a bigger, stronger dude, you know, Trent McDuffie might even be a better, you know, coverage guy in that slot position than Snead. You know, Snead's wow. a more physical guy, but, you know, McDuffie has that coverage ability, that stickiness that, you know, hey, you know, if you want to trust him on a, a Keenan Allen more than Snead, I, I, you probably would. And then you get a, a kind of a Snead on Mike Williams kind of thing. So I, I like that kind of matchup they did there. And I think that could be a cool, um, you know, um, uh, mix up in the playoffs. So with Legereus Snead playing the way that he's playing and, and, and you watch more than, than anyone, is he – is he tendency, Is his tendencies more so being locked up on the opposing team's number one, or has that been more of a McDuffie since he's been back, or is it just kind of depends on where the slot is as opposed to the other guy? Well, yeah, it's a very rare thing in the Spags defense to, to completely lock in a guy on the other team's number one uh, receiver. And, you know, yeah, it, it's actually the first time this year I noticed, you know, Snead only had two snaps in the slot. You know, uh, besides this game, his minimum was 20 for the season. That just tells you that, you know, it, it is very rare for him to stay on the outside with a guy on the perimeter. 
And it, and it makes sense to me because Snead is a physical corner. He's not necessarily going to be the best against these, these quicker, you know, speedy guys. You know, a guy like Christian Kirk, the soccer for the Jaguars, gave him trouble earlier this year. And, I, you know, that, that can happen later. And I think he is more of a, he is a better matchup for more physical receivers because he has that length to, to, to kind of match him with the speed. That's why he's a good matchup for Metcalf. And just, you know, it's not a fight on, on him to talk about McDuffie in a, in a praising way in the slot. McDuffie is just a little bit more of a sticky kind of coverage guy. And you kind of need those guys, you know, uh, when you're facing a Keenan Allen or just someone, you know, in, in the slot um, in these AFC playoffs, like a Jamar Chase, too. Although he's kind of, you know, he's kind of a, you know, he can do a little bit of everything. But, yeah, it's just a mix-up they can go to. And, and it's something that they haven't done a lot, but they could maybe in the playoffs. Ron, let's close it down right here. We need to see the Chiefs beat the Denver Broncos on Sunday. What's your call? What's your take on Bengals and Bills on Monday night? Right. I know. Huge game. I think that's, you know, obviously way more anticipation for that than the Chiefs game. And uh, I'm glad it's on a Monday night so the Chiefs, you know, Chiefs fans can kind of just sit in and watch it. Man, you know, I, I as much as I want to pick the Bengals, it does feel like, you know, losing Lyle Collins is a huge deal. The right tackle, you know, he's really been a, a stabling force for their offensive line. And, you know, Burrow does have a tendency to, to kind of hold on to the ball, take some sacks. And if that offensive line isn't on point, you know, I, I could see, you know, definitely the Bills defense maybe overwhelming them. So, unfortunately, I think the Bills are probably going to win that game. But I'm definitely going to be rooting for Cincinnati because we, we, we want that one seed. Um, but if they got to get the two seed, you know, hey, you got to feel confident either way with how the Chiefs are playing. What's the rest of the week look like for one Ron Cobb Jr.? Yeah, you know, I uh, usually do an opponent scout of the opponent. Um, I don't know how many people want to read about, you know, the Denver Broncos. So uh, I'm, I'm trying to think of a – I think I'm just going to, you know, think of some some lessons to learn from this game, kind of potential ways, you know, individual matchups you could maybe learn something for, you know, so uh, for the future for the Chiefs, um, you know, in the playoffs. You know, whether it be, uh, you know, Orlando Brown on a certain matchup, that kind of thing. So look out for that on the site. We'll be breaking it down for you at ArrowheadPride.com. He's the lead analyst at ArrowheadPride.com. Ron Cobb Jr., we'll talk to you next year, man. All right. Appreciate you. Happy New Year. Take care. You too. Always fun to get his insight because he just he zones in on this team, man. He, he, he sees you when you're sleeping. I guess you could keep the theme. Whenever Santa you cop, Santa cop. And and one thing I like about that, too, is you you, yeah. know, you notice there that he he understands that the, the Chiefs fans, the Arrowhead Pride readers do not care about the Denver Broncos. And he's finding new ways to get clicks for the site. And that's, you know, that's all that matters. That right makes your way. boss happy where I come from in the, in the social world of the Internet and blogs. <laughs> yeah. That's me. Yeah, that's him. Pete Sweeney, Chris Nacero, Dusty Liggins. It is Arrowhead Pride Radio on 610 Sports Radio or 610sports.com. There you go. You're listening to Arrowhead Pride Radio with Pete Sweeney and Dusty Likens on your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. For those wondering about the KU score in Arkansas and the Liberty Bowl, 13-31. KU making it a little bit closer, but not really. Mizzou, Kentucky is 23-13. Check that. 24-13, Mizzou. Setbacks paved the way for comebacks. Mm. Can't call it a comeback if you don't start from behind. Mm. No one has ever said that, nor will they ever. Words to live by. I wouldn't. Um, Power rankings. Nice. Um... Speaking of power rankings, uh, two of the top five teams, I would say, in football. Yes. Is that wrong? Monday night, mm. Bengals, Bills 
again, the Chiefs have put themselves in a week where it is just take care of your business, and then you get to watch on a holiday accordingly because it is uh, a day after a Sunday in which a holiday falls on. So Chiefs will be able to watch Bills, Bengals, battle it out. Right. What do you like about this game? Who do you like in this game? Well, as Ron was alluding to, Collins is tough, right? Mm-hmm. When you 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 lose Collins, I think that obviously is going to make things more difficult. I think I still like the Bengals more at home. I know that it, it's easy to say the Bengals can plug and play at the tackle position, but I just saw how tough it was to play in Cincinnati for the Chiefs. I, th- mm-hmm. I think the Chiefs still could have had that game had it not been for that that fumble. But it went the way it went. I, I think playing in Cincinnati hurt them. And I just think that place is going to be rocking. I think it's a very underrated place to play. And it might gain more respect after Monday night if if the crowd is a factor and, and it plays into two very, very, very good teams. And sometimes that when you have two very good teams, the home field makes a difference. The interesting thing is if they are able to pull it off, then it will give the Chiefs that advantage for the postseason. If Does it matter if Joe Burrow wins this game and, and does it in a fashion of, like, he's clearly the better quarterback on the field? Does that let him become the second-best quarterback in the AFC, or does that just start the discussion? I think what it, it does for, for Burrow is it finally permanently puts him in the conversation for top-five quarterback. I think it's it's been Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen dominated at the the highest level here, and, and Joe Burrow isn't really considered in that. Whereas, man, as far as playoff football goes, people are really excited for playoff football. If you look across the NFL, especially this week, there's a lot of meaningless games, right? Tennessee is benching Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry because they have nothing to play for this week. There's going to be other games across the NFL where – we're about ready to actually get these postseason games that matter. Bills and Bengals is a pseudo postseason game. It's the postseason before the postseason, and everybody who's an NFL fan is going to be watching this game. We know how much Kansas City loves any sport, even when their teams aren't involved. The teams aren't involved this time, but there's just so much that goes into the Chiefs' season. You know Kansas City will be tuned into this game, and I think every team – that's relevant. Their fans will be watching, and even the fans that don't have relevant teams anymore, they'll be watching this game. It, it, in a lot of ways, the Chiefs are always playing in the regular season game of the year. Mm-hmm. This is a reality, not this year. This, to me, is the regular season game of the year on Monday night. So moving on from these two guys that will be perennial MVP candidates, favorites in preseason in Vegas, according to sportsbooks all over the world, um, Mahomes needs 758 passing yards to pass Peyton Manning for the most passing yards in a season. Uh, with two games left, it would put it by. It wouldn't put it by Patrick Mahomes um, that he could accomplish this. But what'd you say the number was again? 758. Okay, divided by two. Yeah. A little quick math here with my calculator on my computer. It's about three. What? Do you want to guess? I bet it's about 320 a game. 379, close. Okay. Close. Math, not your strong suit. No. Possible, though. And if you get over 379 in this first game, tall task against the Broncos defense, which has been pretty good, but they have nothing to play for, really. They gave up 51 last week. Say, you get, you'd say you're able to get to over 400. 
then you start to cut into what you would need in that final game. But there's no way that he can lose this. The MVP? Because his next two games, the next team he plays, they fire their head coach, fire their special teams coach. Their quarterback has no trust with anybody in the team. No one likes him, and he smells. And then the next team oh, well, just do, – Do we know he smells? He smells. Okay. And then the next team he plays just fire their quarterback. Right. I don't know how that goes over on a team where it would appear that Derek Carr had that locker room. He just threw 14 interceptions this year, which leads the NFL. Yeah. But it seems that it's it's almost like he may not even have to worry about playing that last game, depending on obviously what goes on in the Monday night game, which means when this game, everybody can relax and sigh and they know that it's another MVP season for a guy who's not even 29 years old. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Something weird would have to happen for for Mahomes to lose it at this point. I, I just don't think that that's happening. And I think with the Raiders benching Carr, not that Carr was particularly special this year, or I'm a believer in Derek Carr, but it it, it locks up the Chiefs' 14 and three season, which is incredible. And you hope, or at this point, you can only wish that that Colts game didn't go the way it did. You knew at the time it. It might cost them, but you didn't expect Buffalo to be this good. They have been, and so they have an opportunity here to get home field advantage. But fourteen and three is still quite a season, and you know that you're going to have your slip ups in the NFL. The Chiefs always have at least one of these games, and it ended up being in Indianapolis this year. But look, Monday could easily go in the Bengals' way. It's a coin flip game, and so maybe this comes back to you. Maybe fourteen and three does get it done for you, not to have to play on Wild Card Weekend. Crazier stat for Mahomes, never played a playoff road game. Five consecutive AFC champion, AFC West championship games. Never lost a division game on the road or always won at least 11 games in an NFL season. Like those are all numbers that describe Patrick Mahomes. Yet we still, still have discussions in the offseason about, well, like, I don't know where, where it gets to the point where it's like, okay, he's in his own atmosphere He's he's all the way over here. Everybody else is over here. Well, it's just been a it's been a decade of dominance in in a lot of ways for Kansas City. I I think folks and, and rightly so wish there were more Super Bowls, and for different reasons every year you were only able to get one of them. I think they got a, a great chance this year where it was supposed to in a way be this transition year. They still won the division. They still will be in a a great position in the postseason. Even if they're the number two seed, you're gonna have a lot of games potentially at Arrowhead Stadium. Here's the thing, too. You know, there are, have been four straight games for the AFC title. People forget, like, Tennessee wasn't a one seed, and they lost. Just because Buffalo's the one seed doesn't mean that they're necessarily going to host the AFC title game. They would have to win in the divisional weekend playing a pretty good team. And so can can turn back to the Chiefs' way in, in the sense of having home field advantage. And even if they have to go to Buffalo, I like the Chiefs' chances. I don't think that that'll be more than a three-and-a-half, three maybe even less than that spread of the Chiefs going there. And so, man, everything's right in front of you. And they could get a second one here. And Mahomes took over in 18, such so a second one in, what, six years? Second one in the Andy Reid tenure, which started in 13. So in 10 years, I mean, it's pretty good. You only missed the playoffs one year. It's been a it's been a really fun decade. So certainly the, the golden age of Chiefs football, who've been waiting for this type of decade for a long time. Chiefs have won the division seven years in a row. Broncos have missed the playoffs seven consecutive years. Coincidence? Eh. Andy Reid seemed to change the way that the uh, entire AFC West was. But once again, we come back. We answer your questions. 913-586-7610.
feel free to ask it on the Jay Southland Toast Service uh, text line, or you can text in or tweet in to at Arrowhead Pride on Twitter. What Chiefs questions do you have going into this week or maybe for the rest of the season here on the Arrowhead Pride Radio Show? Pete Sweeney, Dusty Leggins, Chris Unicero on 610 Sports Radio. You're listening to Arrowhead Pride Radio with Pete Sweeney and Dusty Likens on your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. Everything going right for the Chiefs, everything going wrong for everybody else in the division. I guess that's not fair for the Chargers. They're in the playoffs. It's a huge win for the Chargers. What are you talking about? No, I know. I, that's I, all they wanted. But Devontae Adams now won't comment on his future with the team, supports Derek Carr, their best friends. Best Raiders team. are in shambles. Denver has fired their head coach. Nobody likes Russell Wilson. Denver and um, Vegas are years plural away. Years, in my opinion. I think L.A., could really have a successful season if they're able to win a playoff game. But that's a big if, too. I just don't trust Brandon Staley. Yeah. I mean, I think all year he's been watchdogged. Like, he's just been like, hey, don't do that. Don't do this. Keep it on this. And then here we go. We're in the playoffs. Now we're really getting it kind of screwed up. But it is 645. Every week, send us your questions on Twitter at Arrowhead Pride and at 610 Sports KC. Now it's time for the mail. We do do this every week. The mailbag segment of the show on Arrowhead Pride Radio here on 610 Sports Radio. Pete Sweeney. Um, Twitter's down, by the way. It's kind of down. Pseudo down. Yeah, there's a lot going on with this. Um, but we will get to the first question via text line 913-586-7610. Who will have the better season when it's all said and done? Frank Clark or Orlando Brown? Well, they said postseason. Or better postseason, I'm sorry. Who have a better postseason, Frank Clark or Orlando Brown? Well, I, I'll answer the question this way. I don't know. But I think it's more important that Orlando Brown has a better postseason than Frank Clark. I think that the Chiefs can win even if Frank Clark is quieter than he was during the 19 run. If Orlando Brown has a bad postseason, the Chiefs are probably going home. He's got to play better than he has at the beginning of the season. He's actually been playing a little bit better lately. We had an article up at ourheadpride.com regarding that. I just... I think they could get a sack or two from Frank Clark, maybe a couple pressures here and there. It's not going to make the difference necessarily of winning and losing. To me, Orlando plays well. You're feeling pretty good about the Chiefs' chances because that means Pat's feeling good and he's protected. Right? I think that's nice. Your left tackle, he can have a little bit more of a slit-your-throat mentality as a quarterback. Doesn't worry about scrambling and making something on the move, which he's the best in the game to do that. We found that out last year. No team had positive yards off the spot except for one. That was the Chiefs, which means Mahomes' improvisation is on point. This from Sarah Chiefs fan on Twitter. Does McCole Hardman make a full return this week, or is it on a limited basis? I think it's limited. Similar to what you saw with Kadarius the first game, about 10 snaps. Chiefs have been really careful with players this year because they have other players that are able to step up. So I think you see an ease-in situation. That would be my guess, about 10 snaps. Kind of the same question, so I'll ask it two different ways. 
Put a percentage on the Chiefs re-signing Juju Smith-Schuster this offseason, then the other one from the 785. Who do you sign to a three-year deal first, Jarek McKinnon or Juju Smith-Schuster? Question mark. Pete Sweeney, curious to hear your response. I love me some Jarek McKinnon. Teaser. I'm writing an article about him tomorrow for the, the website tomorrow morning. That'll, that'll be up later in the morning. Chiefs love Jarek McKinnon. He's 30 years old, right? So let's be real here. I know that he has less wear and tear because it's a rotational player, but Juju Smith-Schuster is more important to bring back to the team at the age of 26 to a three-year deal. And that goes with the Chiefs mentality in this thing. They they don't lean into positions and, and players when they get over the hump of 30. I would like to see Jarek McKinnon back, but you're talking about a three-year deal? Give that to Juju Smith-Schuster every time. I think you see both of them back. I think Jarek McKinnon is in line to make a bit more money. I wouldn't go crazy with running back money. And I, I think Juju works with the Chiefs to get a friendly deal for both sides. So I would say, if I'm guessing, I, I think both are back in the mix. And guess what? And and we saw this after the the Super Bowl season. It's it's easier to get these guys back and, and buying into team-friendly team deals if you're able to get it done and win the Super Bowl. So if they're able to get out of championships, a lot of times players will bend to keep that unit together. 913-586-7610. Questions for Pete on the Arrowhead Pride mailbag continues. If Burrow wins last two games, prisoner of the moment narrative comes through. Street people will try to give Joe Burrow the MVP. Yes or no. <sighs> that be careful with the people from the, the 913. Yeah, I don't know what that means. You got to be careful. The people I didn't know the they had an MVP vote. They, they, uh, they get a one third. I guess that's what this nice gentleman or lady calls the MVP voters, people, people of the street. street. Yeah. And and when you're talking about people of the street, you're right. They are prisoners of the narrative. I think what is going to be on Mahomes' side, because that narrative thing usually favors those that have not won the, the, the trophy before, the MVP trophy. I think where Mahomes is going to win is the numbers. I just don't think you can argue with 40 touchdowns and, and 5,000 yards. I think once you get to those plateaus – You'd have to be really bending the narrative to get it in favor of Mahomes. Now, where I will, uh, or, or other than Mahomes, where I will agree, though, where I will agree is it's not going to be unanimous. If you mm. think it's unanimous this year, it's not going to be. But I, I think Mahomes gets the most votes, and I think he wins the MVP. You think it will be unanimous between two? I think there'll be three names. Okay. So it'll be Mahomes will get 80%. Hurts will get... 13% Burrow's going to get seven. There'll be some heroes among the people of the street that want to <laughs> give certain quarterbacks some love. I might even be four people of the street. Where are you bro? saying Hertz get like 13%? Maybe I believe there's 50 votes. Maybe like Burrow gets like six and then you get those two Allen votes and, and, or maybe, and this is bad math because it's got to add up to 50. Maybe there's one for Justin Jefferson to just prove a point that yeah. the skill position play. It's not, it, Mahomes is not going to be the unanimous MVP, but he will be the MVP, in my opinion. Well, right now you're uh, you're the people of the Pete, mm. so we keep the questions going. This one says, if the playoffs ended today or started today. If they ended today. And Baltimore beat Jacksonville <laughs> and travels to Buffalo, do they have what it takes to beat Buffalo? Baltimore? Yeah. No. Not a chance. No. No, I actually like Jacksonville to beat Buffalo more than I do. You called that earlier today when we were out in the bullpen. Yeah, I love Jacksonville right now. I don't think anyone wants to see Jacksonville. They're playing with house money. Their quarterback, and I know this sounds insane, is a is a top 10, maybe a top five guy. Jacksonville is playing, it, 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 and I've said this on, on previous shows. I'm not sure if we said it last week, but Jacksonville just reminds me of like a, if you're an NCAA basketball fan, I know there's a lot in the city, of a number 13 seed you're running into if you're like the two or the one. 
you're just like, why do they keep winning? How did they keep winning? They really have nothing to lose because they've already made it further than they, anyone ever thought that they, they'd make it. I, I Look, do I think the Chiefs would beat the Jaguars? Yeah. Do I want to see the Jaguars in Kansas City? I do not. I don't. I don't want to see them. I think you're lying. I'm serious. You'd rather see Jack. You'd rather see Cincinnati at Arrowhead than Jacksonville. Yeah, because the Cincinnati Bengals are not going to beat the Chiefs for a fourth time this calendar year. They're not. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. They're not. Jacksonville is just this unknown. You don't know anything about the Jaguars, right? And and again, it's just I don't like that hot energy in in playoff situations. We got a special text. Maybe you're familiar with. It. He's a good friend of mine. Good friend of my show, Sean Barber. Oh no. AK Barbershop. Here we go. Jarrett McKinnon, three years, ten million versus Juju, three year, fifty million. Which contract do you think is closer to the deals they get in free agency? Hashtag shop talk. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know if I would take the three for ten. I don't know if you want to be locking up a thirty year old running back as good at he as good as he has been. I don't know if you want to be locking up a thirty year old running back to a long term deal. I, I think Barbara's probably right in the the, the years and the, the contract, I think Juju is a more valuable contract, especially when you consider the contracts the receivers got this year. And, and I, I, this is just my gut in talking with him. He loves Kansas City. He's really liked playing with Patrick Mahomes. I think he bends a little bit under the market. Now, I don't think it's going to be crazy bending under the market because he's been waiting for this deal for a long time. I think the Chiefs take care of him, and to an extent, Juju takes care of the Chiefs, and I think he's going to be an important player. He's really become that second receiver past Kelsey for Patrick Mahomes, and I think you lock that up, and then you hope to develop Tony into that newish Tyreek Hill type of threat, which the Chiefs going into that draft with Tony, I don't know if they thought he was exactly like Tyreek Hill, but they really liked him to be this otherworldly speed demon receiver. And should he stay healthy, you might be able to develop him into that. And you got Juju around, and all of a sudden you have some really nice weapons for Patrick Mahomes. Texan agrees with the dust, man. I don't know why I just spoke to myself in the third person, but everyone says since <laughs> I think he, you need to do more of that. Yeah, maybe not. Uh, everyone says since he wasn't going to beat uh, the Chiefs three times, so why not fourth? Well, they should have won last time. Okay, well, they should have won the AFC Championship game, too. Were they like 20 to 10 at halftime? The AFC Championship game was 30 minutes of piss-poor football. Okay. This last loss was a fumble. I, and you can't convince me. By your I, best I, offensive weapon. I knew that we. I know that we went into full blown panic mode. But this They're whole daddy right now, man. This whole season right now, and we we still feel pretty good. But it's only pretty good instead of fantastic going yeah. into the. And the only reason is because Travis Kelsey fumbled. And I'm not mm-hmm. trying to like kill Kelsey here. What I'm saying is like, had that one play not happened, the whole you talk about narratives and the, the people of the street. This whole narrative of the Chiefs being beatable is completely different. They're the hottest pick. They're going to the Super Bowl. Can't wait for the Andy Reid Bowl. The only reason there's other de- any, any doubt right now, mm-hmm. one play. You take that one play away, it's completely different. And that's why I'm a believer in the Chiefs. And look, I'm, I'm being a little bit fun here about the Jags. I think they're the best team in the AFC tournament. They would be really helped by not having to potentially go to Buffalo. And so that's why Monday's game is important. One last question. You disagree that Chris Jones is the new Aaron Donald. Heard that. From the people of the streets, <laughs> people of the streets, bruh. Chris Jones That's is where they're at. He's playing well, and and it was a player that was going to have a tough. You were going to have a tough decision with. I thought heading into this offseason, going into the year, and now they have to keep. I mean, there's no choice. He's just that good, and and he's in, in line. He's going to make a lot of money again, I think. And I think that question is more for next year now than this this offseason. Pete Sweeney's top three teams. He does want to play in the playoffs. 
Number one, Jacksonville. <laughs> Number two, Buffalo. Number three, Cincinnati. I think the Chiefs will beat AFC the Bills run. and the Bengals. I think okay. the, I think the Jags are just this weird team. And hey, you know, I may be completely wrong about this. Maybe get they get knocked out in the first game. Maybe this is dumb of me to say. You just gotta watch out sometimes for these these dark horse teams that come out of nowhere, especially when Trevor Lawrence. If you really look at his film, he's looked like that guy. Um, you know, this last stretch. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. No doubt. What do you got going the rest of the week with uh, New Year's Eve on Saturday and the game on Sunday? Yeah, I mean, it doesn't matter that it's New Year's Eve. We're, we're still going strong at ArrowheadPride.com. The season continues. We'll be getting ready for this this Broncos game. The only interesting part of it, I, I think, is Cortland Sutton being a part of it. They're going to be changing head coaches. We'll see if they get energy from that. This should be a game in hand, and so we'll be continuing to cover these players and some of the issues and things to be worked out ahead of the postseason at ArrowheadPride.com, and we're excited for the new year. New year, but the season continues, and we'll see the playoff push for for these Chiefs. You're really not scared about Cincinnati. I I am not personally. I understand why why others would be. Yeah, I think I'm terrified over here. You're you would you're scared of them? Yeah. No. There's nothing to prove to me that the Chiefs have an advantage, other than Patrick Mahomes, and I think that's the only team where he is not significantly. I also the cause of difference. I think I think the Hardman and Tony factors come in. I think the defense is finally playing good ball. I think Chris Jones. You know, you talk about Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald. Chris Jones is playing at a, at a point right now. If he's able to continue this, he's a game wrecker. That's a that's a huge difference maker in the playoffs, especially as Ron was saying going into the Monday game when you're starting to lose offensive linemen. The Bengals' offensive line wasn't good before, and if, with Jones starting to click, I think I'm starting to feel better about it. That's Pete Sweeney, the chief editor of Arrowhead Pride. Thanks to Ron Cobb Jr. for his input tonight, the head analyst of Arrowhead Pride. Thanks to Chris Nacero for the other side of the work. We come back. Chris and I will be on After Hours. Pete's out of here. We got parlays to get to. We got things to talk about, and I've got a pretty interesting take about someone who's definitely getting fired and someone who's getting benched. Do all that on After Hours next on 610 Sports Radio.